Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Scott with you. This is the second hour of a fast-moving edition of Oilers Now. Keep it coming on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors. 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Open Monday to Saturday. You can uh, reach us as well on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. Province reopens, so too does the River Cree Resort and Casino tomorrow. Weather's now brought to you by Digitex. Wishing you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. We will tell you guests on the show receive your certificates to Japanese Village. They will be reopening uh, tomorrow as well. Now open for takeout orders, but you can dine in. Full details at jvedmonton.ca. And we head off to Reuters Now headliner for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We welcome back to the show from the Cult of Hockey, David Staples. Hi, David. How are you doing? Great, Bob. Great. Are you uh, still getting the venom? From a certain segment of the population out there, uh, <laughs> suggesting that uh, you are the uh, unofficial uh, minister of uh, misinformation for the uh, UCP. Well, I don't know why I would, Bob. As I say, I'm left of Rachel Notley on public education and left of Greta Thunberg on climate change. I'm all about the solutions. So uh, people can think know. what they want. People can think what they want. All right. What are they country. think? What are they thinking about the fact that we're opening up tomorrow? What's the general consensus out there? I think we're in, phase, um, we're in phase two tomorrow. Is that right? It starts tomorrow? June 10th. What's, not tomorrow. Um, Bob, I, I think when uh, yes, they initially June. announced the... When they initially announced the, uh, you know, that we're going to be fully open and almost all the rules gone by the end of the June, I think a lot of people were kind of on the fence, like, whoa, we've just gotten so used to lockdown and, you know, living under these rules that um, it's going to be a shock for a lot of people. But I think as the numbers have crashed in Alberta, and let's face it, that's what they're doing right now in terms of all of the different numbers, case counts, hospitalizations, ICUs, they're crashing. And so as this is sinking in and settling in, I think people are getting really used to it. And uh, what I'm hearing from people in the States is like uh, that have opened up, 
it's just un, kind of unmitigated joy. Um, the, the restaurants are packed. You can't get reservations at restaurants. People are just meeting and they're seeing each other's faces and they're happy. They're full of joy. And uh, I think that's going to happen. You know, there, there's going to be the stampede in Calgary and in Edmonton. There's going to be, I guess, the Folk Fest is going to be holding events. So uh, I just don't. I, I think it's not really hitting people, but it, the, the kind of the explosion of happiness that's going to happen here in Alberta with reopening this summer is just going to take us all by storm. Just to illustrate the point about crashing numbers, on May the 16th, uh, Edmonton Health Zone uh, had 79 people in ICU and 231 people in the hospital. Uh, Yesterday, we were down to 108 people in the hospital and 36 people in ICU. Uh, By the way, I'm just going to look the case rate on the 16th. We had uh, 5,000 positive uh, cases in Edmonton at that time. Just over 5,000. 5,035 on May the 16th. And yesterday we dropped down to 1,209. So one quarter of the amount of positive cases uh, currently uh, in the Edmonton household. So that sh- that's an illustration of just because sometimes I think people need to know those numbers. And as you know, I've kept a running tabulation. The other guy, David, I got to say this. I want to put a shout out to a guy from CTV. His name is Matthew Black. He's done an unbelievable job on graphs showing how Alberta is doing in relation to other provinces, including on the vaccination front. And this all does tie back to things like sports because we want to see things get reopened. We want to see, you know, come come August, uh, the CFL start up again and the Edmonton Elks kick off their season, you know, possibly on August the 5th. We want the Oilers to have a preseason game or two at Rogers Place with full fans. And and so we need to, and, and it can't all be negative injury or uh, negative numbers where we sit there and all we report are how many new cases there are and how many deaths there are because, and, and it's tragic what's happened on, on the death front in this province all throughout the world with, with COVID-19. But there are some real positive indicators, Dave, that could take us to a better place. The, the vaccines work, Bob. And I want to give credit to Dr. Dina Hinshaw because in some jurisdictions in Canada, especially people are so cautious, they're, they're not really trusting the vaccines and, and they're staying locked down when they don't need to. Hinshaw said last fall, um, vaccines are the end game. And she's actually treating them. She treating them like that. She she knows they work. They're working. Um, what she's doing is fully in line with uh, public health guidelines and science. It's time to open up, and we're doing it. So good for the uh, good for Henshaw for sticking to her guns and and not being overly cautious because uh, that's sometimes hard to do in public life is to you know take what people perceive to be a risk. But she's she's doing it, and it's based on good science, and it's going to work. I think. All right, let's switch focus to some hockey talk here. Here we go, David Staples' call to hockey. So, as you watch Colorado and Vegas, are you thinking Edmonton's not there yet to compete against those two teams? <laughs> well, I was impressed. I have to say I was I was shocked by the speed of the Colorado defense, how quickly those guys go back, get the puck, move the puck. It just was – it was it, – it's like a different game that they're playing than a lot of the other teams in the NHL. And I know they lost last night's game, Bob, but, man, it just hit me over the head. Um, You know, the Oilers lost on essentially four bounces during that season, four, you know, four spins of the puck uh, that could have gone here, there, or anywhere. And last night's game in overtime, the Colorado forward, I think his name was, uh, I think it was Comfer, had had a wide open net in the slot, 
just had to put it in the net. And he gagged on it and shot it right at the goalie. I mean, it's a tough play. Uh, so I don't want to be too hard on the guy. But it came down to that. He had a wide open net. And then, and then 30 seconds later, the puck takes a bounce off a defenseman's back, block shot off a defenseman's back, and bounces out. And there's a break, a break for Stone, and he scores. But it just, it, it, hockey comes down to, it's so tight. And there's a certain amount of randomness that, you know, we've talked about this for the last 10 years about puck luck. It's a huge factor. It was a huge factor in the owners going out, and it was a factor in, in last night's game that Colorado, that the Avs lost. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know what? I mean, Colorado's got a good team. Uh, they might not be able to protect all their defense, by the way. Uh, and are you? Are, but when you talk about the speed of their defense, are you, are you suggesting that we should be concerned about something with the type of D that Edmonton has? It, it made me think about Tippett's approach this year. I mean, at the end, and Ken Holland's approach a little bit. I mean, at the deadline, they didn't pick up the fastest defenseman they could find uh, to pair with Adam Larson. They picked up kind of a bigger. It's not like Kulikov's a slow player, but he's not fast. And, you know, they already had Chris Russell not fast. Adam Larson himself isn't fast. They had a player on the bench who never got a chance, this much of a chance this year in Evan Bouchard, who isn't particularly fast but plays fast and moves the puck fast. Just the game speeds up because he's out there. And and I kind of, you know, I, I it went, when Tippett was making those decisions, I wasn't critical at the time. I mean, uh, we were all, I think, a little bit critical of Bouchard through the year, sometimes a lot critical of that. I don't think that worked out well at all. And it just made me think they've got to rethink this. They've been trying to get a faster defense uh, for years now. And it's time to maybe go harder in that direction. Fortunately, with um, Evan Bouchard and Philip Broberry, they've got two defensemen, Bob, who are Broberry's like lightning fast on his skates. And, you know, it also made me rethink Caleb Jones. Maybe it's time, like, he had a rough year on defense. And there's a lot of people have iffy feelings about him, me included, because of that. But the guy's fast, and he really moves the puck well. And I'd like to, I'm starting to think, like, let's maybe reinvest in that player, give him another look, because I think this is a significant area. That's the one significant area where I think the Oilers are lacking compared to a lot of the teams in the playoffs. Not all of them. Montreal's not particularly fast at the blue line. They're big Bobby Clobbers back there. But I I think to compete with teams like Colorado and Vegas, we're going to need that speed. Well, I think you're going to need to be able to physically compete against Vegas as well. It's interesting because when I, you know, hypothesized with the listeners and I said, I think the Oilers are going 7-3-1. and one. I think Larson's going to be signed before the expansion draft. And so we're, the Oilers will be protecting Nurse, Larson, and Bear. And then I said, and then they'll have Bouchard, Larson, and Bear on the right side. We have a lot of people saying that's not good enough. I think they're going to be fine on the right side. they got to find a second-pairing left shot deep to replace Clefbaum if he can't come back and play. To me, that's going to be the bigger issue, David. It is, and until Philip Broberg's ready, right? Like, he's going to be... He's probably... He had a pretty... Up, he was very when he was good, Bob in Sweden last year. Broberg was fantastic. Man, I was impressed with his toolkit. And I realized, okay, this is what the order saw. This is why they drafted him so high. But he he got injured at uh, the Christmas tournament, the World Junior tournament, and he had a bad, didn't get much ice time the rest of the year. So he's gonna. I think it's gonna take at least, you know, let's 
be conservative. It's going to take a full season in the HL for him to develop. That's fair. If yep. Anything any faster than that? So that, so you're right. Like they are going to need a left shot defenseman who can really move. I've happened to like Slater Cuckoo quite a bit, um, having seen him for the full year. I'm, third, I'm I hope he comes guy. back. But third, he's third. like he's. I agree. So they got to. What are they going to do? It's not easy because they have a huge needed forward. They got to need a net. There's only so much money to go around. What do you think of Alexiak from Dallas? People may recall I'm, I was famous in the past for suggesting a trade that might not have worked out for Alexiak. For I, I wanted to trade the Oilers' uh, first pick, uh, which turned out to be Darnell Nurse and Sam Gagne, who had a bad contract for Alexiak way back in the day. Um, I'm glad Alexiak has finally turned out, but that would not have been a good trade for the Oilers. Yeah, I, I really like the player, Bob. He's he's huge. He can skate. He can move the puck. He's I, I you know from what I've seen of him. Uh, I was a fan, a big fan way back when. I'm still a fan. He can play. He's he in the playoffs. He can help you win as well. So, it, uh, but is that realistic? I mean, would the Oilers have the money? Because to sign him, it's going to have to be long term. So maybe the Oilers should be looking more like a the Tyson Berry of left shot defense, but he wants to come in on a one year deal. Well, do they need a guy that can move the puck, or do they need a guy that's physical and can defend? He can do a bit of both. I mean, he's not a, a, a stellar puck mover, but he can move the puck. I, I'm starting to think they try Caleb. Like, I'd like to see Caleb Jones get another shot. He didn't pan out this year in that spot. But can they get a player like Tyson Berry, who's a really good puck mover on a short-term deal, who plays the left side? That that might be the ideal situation. What if I told you that there was a guy that two years ago had 17 goals, 60 points, and is going to be a UFA this summer? As a left shot tee, and Edmonton actually drafted him. Is this Gustafson? Who is this? Yeah, yeah, Gustafson. yeah Gustafson. Interesting. Now I don't. I'm. I. You know, he, he's been a third pairing guy for Montreal until Petrie got hurt. So just food for thought on that front. Here's the rationale on Alexiak, because people will say, well, why wouldn't Dallas re-sign Alexiak? They've got to get Heiskanen signed to a long-term deal, and I believe that Seth Jones, in a perfect world, would like to go to Dallas. So would Dallas potentially? Being in a situation, uh, who's their right sh- shot guy that can really walk the line? Skilled offensive. Defense. Lindell, is that his? No, Lindell's a lefty. Uh, um, the other guy. Uh, they got Heishkinen, but they got a guy that's Klingberg. Oh, Klingberg. So Klingberg, like uh, Seth Jones, has got a year left. So what yep. besides Klingberg would Dallas have to give Columbus to get K- uh, Seth Jones, and then they could have, you know, they could have Seth Jones, and they could have Heishkinen as their top two right shot deep. They'd still have Lindell, but in, in that situation, there's no way they'd be able to afford to re-sign Alexiak. And would Alexiak be? Uh, uh, to me, he's a bit like Joel Edmondson for Carolina. Uh, that, that went to Montreal, uh, won the Stanley Cup. Like he's, you know, he's a heart. He's he's got a little bit of. I don't know. I'm just I'm just because I don't know if we can count on Clefbaum coming back, David. So that's that's yeah. I don't why. think I don't think so, Bob. But I just don't. I think Alexiak's going to get term, and yeah. I don't think the orders can term isn't a wise choice there because you have Philip Broberg coming well, on. So and then, and then the argument is I don't think Gustafson is going to get term, and he can move the puck, but he doesn't have the same size. So maybe you build your defense differently. All right, quick hitter for you. Should Edmonton? I know you put the. Uh, what, the what was the price point that you had? Should they bring Devin Shore back at? 
Well, should he come back at less than one million dollars a year? Like so, so and very. What was cheap. the fan? What was the fan response? Massive support, like seventy-five percent support for that for that notion. And and um, you know, when you look at all his analytics, so these are his on ice numbers. His shot share numbers are terrible. And when you look at the analytics that that we do at the Cult of Hockey, looking like how much does he contribute to grade A chances, and how much does he does he defend well on them? He, he also really poor. So. Analytically, this is a it's a poor choice to bring him back. But when you look, listen closely to what Holland said about the guy, um, and and I give some credit to how he played in the playoffs. He's big, he's fast, but he sounds like a real glue player, someone who can accept his role on the team as a thirteenth or fourteenth forward and fit in in different places in the lineup. So I think if he's counted on as a third line uh, winger, that's probably a mistake for the Oilers. But if they're counting on him to be a glue player and step in where they need him and be uncomplaining a good team player, you need players like that. Tippett and Holland have identified him, and I I put a lot I put weight in what they're saying. They know better than than me or any other fan about um, who's fitting in on this team and who can who can make this team work. The chemistry of the team. So uh, I don't throw that out the window just because because the analytics really are bad. So. I can see why you know fans knew that they know Holland supports this player, so I think they're supporting the GM and the coach in some ways when they're voting. Um, and I don't, I don't think Holland and Tippett are necessarily wrong here. All right. Well, the only way I can see Devin Shore being on the third line next year, David, is if Edmonton spent ten to twelve million dollars on their top two left wings. Like if they if they bring Nugent Hopkins back and have one of Hull or Hyman, then they're going to have to go lighter on the third third left wing. And yeah. maybe in that, maybe in, and I don't see. Just for the record, I didn't. I don't see Shore making a million bucks on the market. Like I think no. he's going to yeah. be eight fifty or nine hundred. I just do not see him even. And and you know what? I used to think, ah, what's the difference? Eight fifty to a million. You know, just don't make. But now I'm like, nope. Every hundred thousand bucks counts because you're in a flat cap world. And so I I think Shore. I mean, Shore didn't have a con. There are. The guy he was traded for, Andrew Cogliano, is got to be 30. Well, he was a 05 draft, so that takes him back to an 87 birthday. 33, 34. 30, yeah. 33, 34. So, I mean, he's going to be looking for a contract. My guess is he'd play on a one-way deal at 800K to stay in the National Hockey League. So, uh, to me, sure, it'll just be a cheap pickup. Uh, James Neal. And, again, organizations have to use whatever mechanism possible to better their cap situation. Would you include inducement to move James Neal off to another organization, like hypothetically to Seattle? You, you, obviously, you're going to have to. So the most similar situation is when uh, to, to the Neal contract is when they moved, when Toronto moved Patrick Marlowe. And they, he had a $6.25 million contract, one year left on it. And, Bob, they had to give up a first-round draft pick to move Patrick Marlowe. Of course, they were desperate to do it in Toronto because they had major cap issues. So maybe you could move Neal, who's got two years left at about the same amount as Marlowe was making. <laughs> For a first pick or a second pick, that's or maybe I do not do that, David. I, just I don't do that. I don't do that. I think Toronto overpaid, and you know who that draft pick turned out to be? Seth Jarvis. The, the Toronto Maple Leafs gave up Seth Jarvis to move one year of Patrick Marlowe, and, and the, the thought of the Oilers doing that it just makes me no. That's just a no go zone. But if if it's less than that, like let's say it's a, one of the top players on Bakersfield, uh, Benson or Marodi or even William Logason. Let's say that's the price of moving James. Neil, then I would think about it. 
Yeah, I don't see that happening. All right, David. Uh, I, I think if, if they're going to have to make a decision on Neil, they're just going to have to eat the money in a buyout. Thanks Probably. for your time, David. We'll uh, we'll touch base. And where can people follow you for hockey? Uh, at D Staples on Twitter. And always great to talk to you, Bob. Absolutely. Take care, David. Thanks. Bye. You bet. That is David Staples. All right. Let's bang off some text here. Bob's analytics is garbage. It's what you see that counts, not what you read. That texter comes in. All right, there you go. Uh, Paul says, Bob, if you think the Oilers are fine with Ethan Bear as your top right shot D-man, the Oilers are not a contender. Look at every team left in the playoffs and need improvement from Paul. Here's what I could foresee happening. I could foresee a scenario at the start of the year where Evan Bouchard's playing 15 minutes. By the end of the season, he's playing 18 minutes. I could see Ethan Bear starting the year at about 22 minutes and by the end of the year playing 20 or so minutes. And uh, both Bouchard and Bear are potentially seeing split time playing with Darnell Nurse as the season goes on. And then Adam Larson will pay, uh, end up playing with whoever the Oilers, either Clefbaum comes back or they get a replacement for Clefbaum, and I do think they need to do that. I don't think they can just slot Caleb Jones in there. I think they need to have something a little bit more established uh, there. So let's just see how that occurs. But you're not, Paul, just for the record, there were a couple other textures that said the same thing about uh, the makeup of the D. Uh, Bear, Larson, and Bouchard under the assumption that Edmonton gets Larson done to an extension here. Another texter, Ryan, not in the dozer. I feel like Edmonton and Columbus are destined to be trading partners this summer. They need a center and a replacement for Jones. Can we package Nuge's signing rights, Broberg in our first, for Line Elvis, and one year of Seth Jones? <laughs> wow. That's a blockbuster. Uh, I don't see the Blue Jackets doing that. Sorry. Do not. They'll just wait Edmonton out on Nugent Hopkins. I mean, he's he's going to be a potential free agent. So there you go. You can text us at 780-496-0063. And one more here from KJAM, who says, Bob, if Larson and the Oilers want to do a deal, why don't they just wait until after the expansion draft and you can use Jones as an asset and a trade instead of expansion bait? Time will tell. Let's see what happens here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Uh, we'll keep doing some text. We're going to take a quick timeout for two minutes. It's 126 in Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 128 in Edmonton. Harris Koss, Les in Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin. They're committed to providing unequaled automotive excellence, resulting in completely satisfied lifetime customers. If you currently have a vehicle that you're not using enough, or payments or interest rates that are too high, or if you want to sell a vehicle, refinance it, or trade it in for something different, go visit Uncle Bill, Rich, Johnny, and the gang out at Brent Ridge Ford. 
call them at one 877 or visit brentridge.com. Quickly into the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, it sure would have been nice for the Oilers to have given Evan Bouchard some more ice time last season. They seem confident in plugging him in next year's deep pairings. Not playing him on back-to-backs when they clinched the playoffs was lunacy. Need to know what you have. Well, based on how it went and how they cut their bench down uh, in the series against Winnipeg at times, it's a, a, a fair comment. There you go, for what it's worth. Uh, I, I think if they could have done a do-over there, they probably would have played Bouchard a little bit more. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Still look up John Shannon and Oilers prospect at Miner Stuart Skinner. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.